Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets getting set to get back on the ice tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators after a disappointing 4-2 to loss last night at the hands of the Montreal Canadiens. I'm Bob McElligot, and I'm joined by Jody Shelley, who is still in New York because last night he was working for TNT calling the Red Wings Rangers game. So, uh, Jody, you, you picked the right one to miss, sorry to say. Uh, the Blue Jackets just were not as sharp as they were on Monday night against the Boston Bruins. And I want to ask you, you know, Pascal Vincent, one of the things he pointed out in his postgame uh, press conference last night was that uh, the Blue Jackets have played a lot of games in a short period of time. I get that. He also said they were against uh, heavy teams. And when you look at, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins, yeah, there was uh, good competition that the Blue Jackets faced. As a player, you have to go through these stretches. Uh, you know what the schedule is. Uh, if you're a veteran player, you know what it is and how to handle it. If you're a young player, you're still making those adjustments. But between Thanksgiving and New Year's, how difficult a stretch is that as a player with the number of games that you're going to get in the number of days? When I think back to playing, I mean, and I think back to every season, you know, I, I every team goes through the schedule. I mean, there's 82 games, and, you know, some nights – like Boston the other night was waiting for the Blue Jackets in their building, in their city, while the Blue Jackets were on the road and in Carolina and had to fly back. And, and But the Blue Jackets made that work and got the win. That, that was really impressive for me. That was a back-to-back set. Then they had a day off. Montreal flew in from the West Coast, which is never easy. Um, had a day. They actually practiced in Columbus yesterday and then played the game and won. So... You know, I don't know. I, I I don't remember it. I remember a grind, but it was like, you know, you took care of yourself and you got ready for every game. And that's just that's just how the NHL is. So, you know, I know there's probably with him and this team, there's a lot of guys that haven't played this type of schedule. Adam Fantilli's last year, I mean, he played 30-whatever games in, in college and then, you know, it was spread out a lot. Those are all things that happen in this league. That's why it's the best league in the world. So, yeah, that's that could be a factor, but to me, that's not that's no excuse to lose a game at home after beating the Bruins. Um, to me, the schedule—if you look at the schedule—it's going to get worse. I mean, they're going to go to Boston now. Boston's going to play in Toronto, I believe, on Saturday, and then Columbus is going to be in Boston on Saturday, waiting for them to play at seven o'clock on Sunday night, and they got to fly back and do all that. So, you know, it works both ways. So. It's a tough schedule, and you know, to me, that's there's no reason to come out and play that way. And it's easy for me to say, as a guy that is not going through it right now, and the intensity and how hard they have to play to win games. And you look at how they played against Carolina, uh, an exhausting mentally game. How they put the time in and stayed with the details and didn't get the victory, but they bounced back the next night and made Boston look bad. They they did. I mean, Boston can say they they weren't very good, but the Blue Jackets handed it to them in, in all facets of the game, checking and scoring and saves. So, um, you know, I I really I understand it because he uh, understands it from a different perspective as as a coach and in the grind with them. But there's there's got to be a way to get 
be sharp for game time and, and, and play a complete game and get that win last night. And now they've got to bounce back and, and play tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators, who are a little bit struggling as well. Well, just to back up what you were talking about with how busy it is, you've got Ottawa tomorrow night, as you said, in Boston on Sunday. Then you have to come right back here, play against the Los Angeles Kings on Tuesday, get on a plane Wednesday, go to Long Island and face the Islanders on Thursday, and then come right back home and take on the St. Louis Blues on Friday. I look at this schedule, I look at this stretch, and I remember what you told me back when the Blue Jackets moved from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference when you said, Bob, keep a bag packed and by the door at all times because you're going to feel like you're never at home because it's always uh, in and out, in and out. It's true. I mean, the West Coast, you do do like two-week swings and then you'd be home for three or four weeks, you know? Uh, you'd pack a big bag, go get it done, get the games uh, finished, and then you're home and you know you're home. But yeah, in the East, it's a lot of, you know, you go to New York for the Islanders, you leave on Wednesday, play Thursday, come home and play uh St. Louis at home on Friday. So, yeah, it's nonstop. Here you go, off and back. So get used to it, Bob. Yeah, I've I've tried to over the years. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I ever have or not. Um, let me ask you about Patrick Kleine. Patrick had a goal last night, but outside of that goal, he really struggled during that game, which has been, unfortunately, kind of a pattern here as of late. Um, he admitted after the game when he was asked, uh, what do you think about your game? He said, I thought it was terrible. Um, Pascal Vincent mentioned a couple days ago that his hands are not back from that injury that he suffered. He just doesn't seem like he has. you come to the right place. This is your Heritage Sports Talker and home of Ohio State Athletics, The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are getting set to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. Another road game for them before heading back home to face the New Jersey Devils on Saturday. I'm Bob McKelly, get along with Jody Shelley. We're joined right now by Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg. And Nick, first of all, Welcome back. Not just back to the show, but welcome back to the NHL, back to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's great to have you back here, and I'm sure that you are super excited to be where you are right now. Yeah, it's been a fun last uh, few days here, so definitely thankful to be back here and um, just excited for, for what's ahead. When you got sent to Cleveland out of training camp, how tough was that for you? Because you've been around here for a while now, and you know it comes down to being a numbers game. Of course, over the summer there were two defensemen that were brought in here, so I'm sure you knew what uh, you know what you were facing coming into camp. But still, that doesn't make it easy to get told that you have to go to the American Hockey League. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I think it was a great experience. the The staff down there and um, and Javi and and uh, Latestu and. Vogie have were great to me and um, just very supportive and, and just helping me making sure I was um, okay on the ice and, and off the ice too. Obviously, it's uh, a bit of a different different down there. Obviously, but um, the staff was great. The team the team was unreal. The guys on the team it's a great group of guys down there. So for me, I was just um, just trying to make the most out of an opportunity and, and playing a lot of minutes and um, 
Yeah, and I had a lot of fun while I was down there. That is the plus to it. You do get a lot of minutes because, you know, a guy like you that's had the NHL time that you did, you're going to get some some good quality minutes in that league. What did you find to be the biggest thing in the difference of style of play between the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League? And even and you came from college hockey, too, so there, there's a difference in, in all three levels there. But what was different about the AHL? Um, yeah, I think, honestly, I think the AHL was a lot more physical in certain aspects. I think guys, um, I the structure obviously is a lot better in the NHL, which makes it easier to, I feel like, almost make plays because you know where guys are going to be. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that was one of the biggest things was just structure, especially as a D-man, like breaking pucks out, um, playing rushes. I, I just feel like the structure is um, obviously a lot better in the NHL. And, Jody, unlike when you played in the American Hockey League, Nick got to go to a major league city in Cleveland. He didn't have to go to Syracuse or St. John, New Brunswick to play his uh, American Hockey League hockey there. Yeah. You know, I don't know anyone that would trade their American Hockey League experience. It doesn't matter the city, Bob. It's, it's uh, do you got you guys pretty tight knit group down there, Nick, with like, you know, guys living on their own, uh, a lot of time together. That's how it was when we were in the, in the, uh, in the minors. Yeah. I think, uh, I think there's a select few guys that, that were in the hotel. Um, which was a little bit farther away from downtown, but I know uh, there's a lot of guys who would who'd go out to dinners and whatnot, and especially on the road, I feel like was the best time because we'd all we'd all be in the same hotel and within a couple doors down from each other. So um, obviously, you get to you get to grow a lot more too with the seven hour, eight hour bus rides too. So um, a lot of guys are playing cards, guys are socializing, guys are catch, just kind of hanging out. So um, that was definitely a, uh, a plus was just being able to hang out with the guys. And a lot of time, right? You spend a lot of time at the rink, or is there, I remember less pressure, more time to work and focus on hockey. Did you feel that when you went down? And if so, what what did you spend your days doing to get better, or what did you work on? Yeah, I mean, uh, Javi, the D coach um, down in Cleveland, was was great. We'd go out early um, on days where where we wouldn't play for a while, and I think that was one of the big things too. We'd play games on Friday, Saturday, so we'd be able to practice. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I feel like just really just dial it, dialing it in and on the reps in practice. And um, I feel like that was one of the biggest things for me, especially I feel like here when you're in the NHL, obviously you're playing so many so many games, so it's practices are a bit different. But I just feel like that was the biggest thing for me was just um, a lot of reps in practice. And um, Javi was great to me and, and going out early and, and, um, and whatnot, so... Well, good. And now you're back, and uh, nothing like getting that call, is it? What were you doing when you got the call, and, and uh, how's it been for you since you got back? Uh, well, we were in Hartford, and we had pregame skate. We were playing Wednesday night against Hartford. We had pregame skate Wednesday morning, and I got off. And, um, yeah, they came up to me and told me I was getting called up. So uh, kind of had to hold back a smile there a little bit when they told me that. I was pretty I was pretty excited just for the opportunity. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun so far, the – kind of a whirlwind the first couple days getting here it just felt obviously a little bit different you know you're here all last year and and you have relationships with the guys and then you're kind of gone for two months and now you're back so um it definitely took a few days just to kind of get situated so um like I said just really happy to be back and excited for the opportunity all the old Hartford Civic Center I remember that quite well and I I would I would have a smile too if I got told I was going to Long Island and getting out of Hartford and going back to the National Hockey League we're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg you come back here and we were talking about how when you go to Cleveland you have a chance to play a lot of minutes and you knew that 
you come back here, and as it turns out, the spot that they're looking for somebody to play in is alongside of Zach Wierenski. Not a bad spot to be in for a guy like you, uh, playing with another Michigan guy and playing on the right side. Um, how excited were you when you knew you were going to get that opportunity right away? Oh, I was pumped. Like when I saw um, like on the lineup chart that I was playing with Z, my eyes kind of lit up um, in New York, and I was just like, kind of hit me at that moment i was like okay like this is this is actually happening here like i know i i had the opportunity to play with z last year a bit um before we both got injured in the same game but um obviously i've said it i've said it a million times obviously he's a special player and um just for a guy like me to be able to play with him a guy from michigan who played at michigan it's uh it's definitely pretty cool for me so i'm just trying to enjoy it every single night the uh there are two big contingents on this team you've got five russians and you've got four guys that went to school at Michigan. So those are the two big groups, right? I mean, if if, like, if you're looking at uh, going to dinner or going into the room, are those the two groups that are always together? Is there is that nine guys I can count on being split into two groups? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think, uh, obviously, I think the Russians spend a lot of time together, and, and obviously so do um, the Michigan guys too. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I like, just hanging out with everyone. I like going to dinners with a lot of the guys, and um, whether if that's guys, other guys on the decor, or other forwards, or or whatnot. But yeah, I know KJ and I live together in the same building, so I'm always going out to dinner with him. And um, I know I'm always downtown as well. So normally, um, the short time I've been here, us three have gotten a good amount of dinners too, and um, it's definitely been nice. It's interesting the mix there too, because okay, you all didn't play together at the same time, right? Uh, you and Ken Johnson did. You came here together from uh, Michigan. But Zach is a little bit older, and now you have to have uh, Adam Fantilli, or Moe, as you referred to by his nickname a, mo- a moment ago there. Um, he was there last year. so But you don't have to be there at the same time. There's just that that bond, right? Yeah, I think that's what's so cool about Michigan. It's, he played there however many years ago, and um, we can still talk about the same things that I went through my freshman year. Same with KJ. like He went through the same exact thing. So um, it's definitely pretty cool, and obviously – um, they're going to the same houses. They're going to doing the same things. Going to the same restaurants um, in Ann Arbor. So we, it's always just that bond that we get to talk about and get to share, which is cool. Jody, it's great to see that smile. But you know, I talk about Michigan. This guy breaks into a big smile like immediately, and uh, how fond he is of his uh, teammates and, and former college teammates and all that stuff. Well, it's a proud fraternity, right, Nick? I mean, you guys shared similar experiences. You know that that that's a bond that. Only you guys will have. So that's that's where that smile comes from, right, Nick? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I want to go back to Zach Wierenski. What what about Zach Wierenski makes it uh, makes you get that excited to play with him? Yeah, I just think uh, he's so good with the puck, and he's so good. And I mean, obviously, you see what he does. What does he have? Twenty something assists this year. Yeah, so. 20, yeah. One that's pretty that's pretty good. I'd like I'd like to maybe get a couple of those, obviously. But um, no, I just think he's so smart with the puck when he has it in in the neutral zone or in the D zone, and he always just makes I feel like the simple play, which is something that I I kind of look to do. And um, in the D zone as well, I feel like he's really good at breaking up plays. He's got such a good stick. Uh, we were doing a battle drill yesterday, and I had to go against him. And I think uh, he's just like so strong with the puck. I like I was like I couldn't even get the puck from him without trying to like really cross check him or really like get into him, which I obviously I wasn't going to do in practice, but, um, but yeah, man, he, he's just, he's so good with the puck. That's, I think that's one of the biggest things. 
He plays so many minutes in all situations. Is he's one of those guys we love to watch, not just for the points. It's it's those things that you mentioned. Like he's a strong guy, isn't he? I mean, he's underrated strong. Oh yeah. I mean, I couldn't get the puck from him yesterday, and I I wouldn't say I'm too strong, but um, but yeah, he's definitely got that. Got that. Hey, do you watch a lot of hockey? And if so, like who, who do you watch in, in your position? Uh, yeah. I mean, I try to watch as much as I can. Obviously. Um, I think one of the big guys I like to watch is Tori Krug. I know a lot of people have, yeah. have said I'd play like him, and I don't know. I just think, like, even when we're playing against St. Louis, I like to try and watch him when he's out in the ice and just kind of see how he manages his size and, and manages um, everything throughout games. And I think you can learn a lot from a lot of guys throughout the league. And um, I love watching Quinn Hughes. What he's doing this year is pretty special. And Obviously, the guys like Picard and, and Fox, and I think there's just so many things from other guys throughout the league that you can kind of pick up on and, and see because these guys have been in the league for a while, and, and they definitely know what they're doing. Corey Krug, that's interesting because we saw him the other night, and he still plays that same way. Like he's, Guys are still on notice when he's on, when, when he's on the ice. It's like you better, you better make sure when you have the puck that you got your head up and you know where he is. You play a similar style, so I like that comparison. Yeah. Um, and what about Quinn Hughes? Because it's fascinating how he moves. I mean, is is that do you see that, or do you see other things? How he sees the game, it's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's just so good when he has the puck at the offensive blue line, and like his mobility that he can he can beat guys one on one just with like a simple move. That well, I wouldn't say simple. It looks so simple on TV, but and then you try it in practice. Try go. This is a lot harder than I thought. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think like I said, like when watching guys like him and watching how he walks the blue line and gets shots through, you're like, okay, well, um, it's something obviously you can get better at and, and I can work on. So it's just like it's exciting to watch guys and just to be able to see what he does night in and night out with Vancouver. One more question. When you were down in or up in Cleveland, down in the American Hockey League, did you guys watch the Blue Jackets at all? Did you watch the team and pull for guys or, or keep, you know, just stay aware and tune with what's happening? Yeah, I think um, – Anytime you get the chance to watch, I, I feel like me and some of the guys would want to watch. Or anytime you walk into the rink the next morning, um, the highlights are on TV and, and you're keeping up with guys. I mean, at the end of the day, like these guys are your friends and, and you want what's best for these guys. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, obviously I think it's harder to watch games in Cleveland, like just with uh, Bally Sports or something like that. I don't even know. Um, but it was tough for some of us to get some of the games where they'd be blacked out on ESPN. So, we try and find a way, however we could. Valley Sports, you got to get the app. Nick. You got to. Oh, okay. Now that you're here, you don't need it. Yeah. You know, you want to watch your game over and listen to Jeff Rimmer talk. You I'll just have to get the app. I'll get the app then. <laughs> this is the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. We're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg tonight. And before we take a break, I want to tell you that if you're looking for the perfect gift for the holidays, we've got you covered with the Blue Jackets Holiday Gift Pack, presented by Homage. It starts at just $99, and each pack includes two tickets to two games and an exclusive Blue Jackets homage shirt. To learn more, go to bluejackets.com slash holiday. More with defenseman Nick Blankenberg as the Inside Edge continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. The Fan is live and local with morning juice, caffeinate, and dominate. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The Fan, Ohio sports destiny. This is the Inside Edge. Bob McKelly and Jody Shelley. We're talking with Nick Blankenberg, Blue Jackets defenseman tonight. Nick, one thing that is different about coming up here this year is 
you know you were going in on the right side. And I say that's different because last year you did a lot of uh, playing on the left side. Uh, you seem to be that one right-handed shot guy that was able to handle playing on the other side pretty well last year. And I know you worked really hard at it so that you could be out there and you could contribute from that. But how nice is it to get back to where you're comfortable? Uh, we talked about you playing with Zach Wierenski, so that's a great thing. You know that side's covered. All you have to do is your job where you're comfortable with doing it. Yeah, I mean, I just think uh, obviously being on the right side is has many positives for me, just like in the offensive zone, like D-to-D passes and just getting shots on that, um, breaking pucks out, I feel like just being able to face the play. So um, obviously Z's a very predictable player, so it makes it a lot easier for me, and um, I think just being on the right side definitely helps that too. Playing on the left side, though, last year and, and having to kind of learn a lot of things about that, were there any of those things that, that – actually has made you a better player that now maybe just uh, where maybe you happen to be on the other side uh, as the course of a play is going on and now the puck comes to you uh, is it is it easier for you since you you went through that and you kind of trained yourself to to be better at that uh yeah I think one of the first things that came to mind was just like uh like angling guys in gaps and getting off the wall so when I was on the left side at the blue line and I tried taking a couple hard strides to the middle um, obviously it's a different movement going from left to right from on the right side, right to left. So I feel like just stuff like that or um, being able to get my gap. So I feel like that was one thing that has helped me. Also, uh, you know, Jody talked earlier about the comparison with Tory Krug and how you like to watch his game. You better have your head up. I mean, that's one thing that you did from the very first moment that you came in here. I mean, your size doesn't matter to you. It is just about finishing a play, throwing the body. And to be honest with you, sometimes it's uh, had you – been on the shelf with an injury for a while, but but you never change that style of play. But are you trying to refine it in any way, shape, or form? You want to do it. You want to play that way, but you also want to play. You want to be healthy, and you, and you want to stay in the lineup. So have you tried to refine anything, or are you just doing the same thing and hoping that, uh, you know, hey, this is the way it's going to be, and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's a fine line that I have to walk. I don't think I need to be going out there every single game and blowing guys up, and I wouldn't say I'm necessarily – looking to do I'm definitely not looking to do that every night but I think just managing my game and how I'm feeling throughout a game how I'm feeling throughout a shift and and if something's available then I take it and if it's not then I kind of just let it be and and live for another day and um I mean yeah it's it's obviously tough with the injuries last year but I look back at the injuries that I had last year and I, I really don't think many of them were from me really trying to blow somebody up or or anything like that or me trying to play overly physical and um, yeah, I think just trying to manage those expectations that I have and um, just try to manage shifts, manage games and whatnot, depending on how I'm feeling throughout the night. Has that changed from when you first came here? And I ask you that because you get brought in as an undrafted free agent. So you're, you've got to earn everything. You're looking to get people to notice you immediately from the moment that you come into the organization. So when you're talking about that, I don't need to blow anybody up. I don't have to do this. Has that kind of um, – is it different than it was in the beginning? Do you feel like – I don't want to say do you feel like you don't need people to notice you because you always want them to notice you, but do you feel like now you understand the league, the organization understands you, just go out, do my job? Yeah, I feel like kind of how you just worded that at the end was was pretty spot on. I think um, obviously when you come in and you're an undrafted free agent and almost have like a seven-game tryout for your next contract, I feel like it's – it's definitely you want to do something to spark the team in, in whatever way you can. And 
I think part of me still, I'm still trying to do that. I still want to help the team in, in whatever way I can and, and provide a spark. And um, I think I've definitely, from the moment I've came in until now, I think I've learned a little bit more, obviously, and in, in how to handle myself in those situations. But, um, but yeah, I feel like every single night, it's I'm, I'm still going to be playing with that fearlessness and, and just kind of that um, that grit that that I feel like I can bring to the team. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love watching you fly around like a human torpedo out there and just hitting whoever you can. Uh, and that's a big thing that brings energy to the crowd and to, and to the team. Right, Jody? Yeah, and, and I want to ask you, Nick, what did you think of uh, Erica Branson and that whole scene uh, a couple games ago? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have plenty of plenty of thoughts on on what happened, but I feel like I'll probably just just keep those to myself right now. And um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the stuff that that we've talked about is it will stay in the room between us. But um, obviously, just just really happy that that Goody's all right. And um, yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you how I feel. I think Cousins should have been thrown out of the game, but I love that that Erica Branson. Uh, he's a guy that stands up for himself and, and, you know, those are elements you're allowed to do within a game. He's allowed to fight. Um, have you been involved with anything like that yet where it's been like either a line brawl or, or guys sticking up for each other? And have you been sticking up for your teammates anywhere along the line? I mean, yeah, if obviously if there's a hit like that or, or a dirty play like that and, and I'm out on the ice, um, I'm definitely not afraid to step in and, and stand up for either myself or for, a guy like Ed Branson or for anybody on the team for that example. So, um, I don't know. I think something like that happened last year a little bit against Philly. And I think somebody came and, and pushed Corpy in front of the net and there's a little scrum in front. And I think I got a two minute. I dropped the gloves. I was hoping to get a five, but I only got a two. So I'm still <laughs> waiting for the first one. But, but yeah, I feel like anytime you have the opportunity to protect a guy and on your team and in a situation like that, I, I feel like for me, that's just a big thing just to step in there and, and, and necessarily, you don't have to fight, but just to to get in there. Yeah, it's an emotional game, and I think I saw you working with Olivier. There was a bunch of you guys. I think Nyquist, you, the few guys out there working with Olivier, just getting a little tips just in case that happens, right? Yeah, always. Olivier knows what he's doing, so he's a good guy to talk to. Same with Giddy. Hey, Nick. Before we let you go, I want to ask you about Jet Greaves. I know he got sent back to Cleveland this week, but he came up here played in a couple of games. He picked up his first National Hockey League win, and when he was asked after that game if he was soaking any of it in, he said right near the end of the game when you came up and started talking to him, that's that's the one time that he kind of let himself enjoy it, even before the game was over. Um, tell me about that guy, how special he is as a teammate, because you've been with him in Cleveland all year. Oh, I love that guy. He's the, he's the best. He... Uh... I knew him a little bit, obviously, from the time I've been here to show training camps and from the time he was up a little bit last year. But I really got to get to know Jet more this year and, and just seeing the kind of pro he is at the rink with his habits and, and the way that, that he carries himself around the rink. I'm not surprised one bit that that's kind of the start he's had to his, his first couple games in the NHL. So super great guy, very humble Um one of the hardest working guys at the rink, one of the first guys at the rink, last guys to leave. So um, no surprises here for me. Very easy guy to play for as a teammate, right? And especially as oh, a yeah. defenseman, because if there if there's a mistake or if they're not a mistake, but if there's a rebound, normally you're the first guy there. As the defenseman, you guys are right there with the first chance to clear. And you could just tell by the way the team played in front of them. That was a guy that uh, all of you wanted to battle for. Oh, yeah. You want to win for that guy.
So I was very happy that he could get his first win. And um, just I think that's big, obviously, for his confidence and in, in heading back down to Cleveland. And um, he'll definitely be back up at some point. And I think so with the way that he played and, and just the way that he is as a person and, and the way he is as a goalie. Great glove hand. Oh, yeah. I don't shoot glove on him. It's too good. <laughs> <laughs> that, when teams keep shooting in a game glove hand, I, I've even said this on my broadcast. I went, you might want to try the other side. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a pretty pretty easy deal. Yeah. And I've also never seen a guy that smiles that much. Really he's have great. it. He's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely uh, really enjoyed spending time with him in Cleveland. He's just such a great great person. Um, I feel like that's one of the biggest things for me. Obviously, he's a great goalie and a great hockey player, but like it's even more important. Just what kind of person he is, and, and he has all those all those qualities. Completely agree. Nick, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on today's show. Uh, good luck against the Maple Leafs tomorrow night in Toronto. And again, enjoy every moment back here in the National Hockey League. Will do. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Nick Blankenberg, defenseman for the Blue Jackets. Jody and I will come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The Fan. Ohio Sports Destination. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I want to tell you that you can race to the rink at the annual Fifth Line 5K presented by Ohio Health. Run away with two game tickets, a Blue Jackets branded race shirt, and a shiny new medal. Register today by going to bluejackets.com. Let me try that again. Bluejackets.com slash 5K. Bob McElligan and Jody Shelley with you wrapping up this week's edition of the Inside Edge. Jody, when we look around the National Hockey League yesterday, Craig Berube was relieved of his duties as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. We just saw St. Louis here on Friday last week. Uh, Were you surprised that they fired Craig Berube? Yeah, I was. I was very surprised. I mean, you know, he's he's done a good job there. He won the Stanley Cup back in was it 2019. I I like what he did with this team, and and he's you know, there's a moment where this team needs to turn needs to change things up. When they got rid of Petrangelo a few years ago, he, or, or didn't resign him, he ended up in Vegas. That's when things started to shift from that Stanley Cup team. I mean, he's such an important player, an important leader in the locker room, on the ice. He plays those big minutes. And that changes things for them. And then, you know, Barube is a, is a great coach who has a certain style. And you can just see, like, that's not his type of team, I don't think. And and so as they go through change and they're trying to, you know, get things to go through Robert Thomas and and Cairo, uh, you know, it, those players have had him for a while and, and – they need a coach that's going to get the best of them. But I, I was surprised it happened last night. I mean, they, they're, they are underachieving. They're a team that has beating team is playing well. Um, so it, nothing against Craig Berube, but I think it was just time for a change. I, I was surprised at the time, but now that I look at it, I think it's the right move. Drew Bannister is going to take his place. Bannister, uh, Bannister was coaching in Springfield in the American Hockey League. So he is uh, on his way to St. Louis and is going to coach his first game tomorrow night against Ottawa in St. Louis. So what you're saying right there, too, is a different voice, and they're bringing a guy that has a, a different perspective just coming out of the American Hockey League. Good to see these young coaches get opportunity. You know, it, it's uh, it's one of those things. Edmonton made a great change out there, and, and you know, look what they've done. It's, it's turned things around. It's, it's nothing against Jay Woodcroft. 
but, but it's just a, it, sometimes things just need to change. You run the course of how you approach things and how things are done. And that's why coaches move. So good for Bannister to get this opportunity and, and, um, you know, we'll see how they, how they perform, but I would expect, uh, some changes and I, I would expect a bump now for the St. Louis Blues here as they get ready to head into the break next weekend. Yeah. You talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they were really, really struggling before that coaching change. Now they have won eight in a row. Uh, they beat Chicago. It was the matchup between Connor Bedard and Connor McDavid. And the Oilers get that victory. So eight wins in a row. That'll put you right back in the picture quickly, won't it? It, it will. And that's a team that now they're playing how we expect them to play, Bob. I mean, their power play is out of this world. Connor McDavid is playing again on another universe. Um, you know, they're just exactly how they should be playing. And it's it's not big adjustments, but it's, it's a different message and a different voice. And that's what's helped them, Bob. Blue Jackets getting set to take on the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. In Toronto, game starts at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on The Fan and the Blue Jackets Radio Network and also on Bally Sports. Jody will be there. Jody, thank you very much. Great to uh, get back together with you. We'll do it again next week. All right, Bob. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, that is Jody Shelley. I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. All your favorite fan shows are available when you want them. Head to 971thefan.com and hit that subscribe button. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Think about walking away. E60 presents Chris Weidman, The Return, December 17th on ESPN. Same day streaming on ESPN+. The Capital One Orange Bowl on ESPN Radio. Both Florida State and Georgia have a huge chip on their shoulder after being left out of the playoffs. This is a travesty, truly, to the players of this Florida State team. If anybody's a better case to be upset, in my opinion, it's those dogs from Georgia. Could have put Florida State and Georgia in there. Now, they get to take it out on each other. The Capital One Orange Bowl, number five Florida State, sixth-ranked Georgia, Saturday, December 30th at 4 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. This is Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I don't believe anybody's been more valuable to their football team than Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins. Losing the Tennessee Titans was a case study of how valuable he is. They are not the same team without him. I don't believe he's going to win the MVP, but there's no more valuable person to his team in the league than Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins. Check out more from Freddie and Harry weekdays at 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. ACC Men's Basketball on ACC Network. This is the way basketball is supposed to be. It's the passion and the tradition. It's the excellence and the expectations. The most intensity in all of college basketball. It's the storied rivalries and the fans who make it even crazier. What better way to get the juices flowing and to get your adrenaline going? I keep it hardcore like you never saw you want to be. ACC Men's Basketball on ACC Network. Come for it all. Complex Magazine, and I'll be honest, I've never heard of Complex Magazine. And yet, kids, there were actually were things called magazines back in the day, but it's now all online. They came up with their most entertaining sports personalities of the year. 
which led us to go into, all right, let's just stick, stick with athletes. Who are the most entertaining professional athletes going right now? With Aaron Goldhammer in for Amber Wilson on me and Fitzsimmons. You're on ESPN Radio. Thank you for spending part of your evening with us. And, Goldie, you and I went at this in two different ways. You went strictly entertainment on the on the field, on the court, on the right. balance beam. Yeah. Uh, I went with on and off, entertaining at a microphone, in a press conference, uh, on a podcast, on TV, here on the show with us, along with remarkable ability in the ring, on the diamond, on the ice, on the field. And uh, your, your list, five through one, go right ahead. Uh, I have Simone Biles at five. I have Ellie Dela Cruz of the Reds at four. I have Connor McDavid, the hockey player, at three. Lamar Jackson, to me, is the most entertaining player in the most entertaining sport. And then I have Caitlin Clark of the Iowa Hawkeyes as the number one most entertaining player in all of sports right now. I went Tyson Fury, Aaron Rodgers, Tyreek Hill, Draymond, and Tyreek Hill, by the way, and, and also in part because anybody who admits that he wants to be an adult film star after they retire, yeah, you're making the list. Uh, Draymond Green and then the Kelsey brothers. Phone lines are open. Your most entertaining pro athlete going right now or college athlete at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Mordecai in North Carolina on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Yeah, um, right. My most entertaining athlete on or off the playing surface has got to be Novak Djokovic. That's a good one. I mean, he's edgy. He's edgy. You can count on him to always be in shape. He's mentally tough and he's always great for an interview. Yeah. He's fun to root against. And also, you know, that's I, a bonus. I, I know that people like to like people but every big time sport needs a villain and my favorite tennis player is whoever Novak Djokovic is playing <laughs> on any particular day I gotta respect him Ian he's great okay he's the I best also, to ever do it I, I also like I know this is a little niche but I'm a tennis guy so Nick Kyrgios I've now all of a Love sudden that found, dude. found very entertaining and fun to watch you know, I don't know that he'll ever win a Grand Slam or he's coming off an injury now. Uh, but I really, I, I've gotten to respect and sort of like his attitude around the game. That run he made at Wimbledon with his, again, oh, he, awesome. he, he's got some heel aspects to him as well. That's why Draymond sure. Green is on my list because he's got that heel aspect to him yep. to the nth degree. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Mike in Connecticut on the Dr. Pepper call online. Who you got? Hey, Mike. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, this is only current players, or can we do active? Retired? Active. All right. So for active, for me, I I would definitely have to go with my man who said Draymond Green. Yeah, it's it's nothing to look at. It's you know tough to watch sometimes, but it's it's definitely entertaining. Right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, I'm right there with you, Brandon in Minneapolis. Brandon, you're on the Dr Pepper call online. Yes, this may sound a little biased, but uh, I have to go with my guy, Anthony Edwards. Good one. Uh, it's a really know. good one. Yeah, every time on the court he puts on a show, and then, you know, his interviews are just straight gold. And he's a beast. How Georgia, when you went in college basketball, if you've got one great, great and everybody else, right? Come on. If, I mean, look at Manning and the Miracles, man. If you got one great one, 
You should be able at least to make the damn tourney. I mean, I'm not asking you to win the national championship, no, but just Anthony make the Edwards, dance. You got that dude with you. I mean, as far as raw talent, I feel like baseball, yep, he could be in the major. Football, yep, he could be a number one wide receiver. And the reality of it is, as far as two-way players go, I think we all found out in that World Championships of Basketball thing that they had over the summer that Anthony Edwards is coming. There will oh, come yeah. a time, I think, when he will win MVP awards and a great point on the interviews because he is a tremendous interview and a great personality. He's already been in a big-time Adam Sandler movie with a legitimate role. Yeah, and, and by the way, who's on top of the West right now? The Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> yes, are on sir. top of the Western Listen Conference. Listen to him. Yes, sir. <laughs> Sounds like Sam Pittman getting a recruiting trail in Arkansas, man. Yes, sir. Roger in California. Roger, you're on the Dr. Pepper call online. Quickly, What's go up, ahead. What's up, Roger? How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. We're good. Only one choice. Stop the college football world. Coach Prime. Prime time. Ah. Gotta be. Got to be. Not an athlete, but a coach, but we'll take it. I mean, he's so entertaining that he swept up September. Now, Ian, you, you're closer to this than I am. By the time December came around, I think we were all oh. a little sick of Coach Prime, right? But he got their teeth kicked in. I mean, he did. His over-under on the win total on the year, though, was three and a half on ESPN back going into the season, and he exceeded it. And I said before the season began, if he gets, pat- if he gets four wins, he's coach of the year. It was, you know, exaggeration for effect. Now he just went into the transfer portal and got yeah. five new starting offensive linemen. Five to protect his son. Changing the game. He's, he's, look, you talk about no sensor from brain to mouth. That is Deion Sanders. Coming up next, one of the best fullbacks. Yeah, a fullback is still around, ladies and gentlemen, and he plays for arguably the best team, not just in the NFC, but in the NFL. Kyle Juszczyk scheduled to join us right here on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Michelle Smallman. Coming up Thursday, I'll tell you why Kevin Stefanski is the coach of the year, and it's not even close. It's Unsportsmanlike, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. From ONN, this is Hollywood Casinos on the Money. Presented by Ohio. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus.